0: Jasmine. I'm going to take my mask off because I'm six feet away from everybody up here. Um, okay, so uh, my name is Jasmine McDonald. I am alcoholic. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm kind of in a weird place Because I'm quitting nicotine <laughs> And I'm on like day 10 In the, the cusp The day 11, 10, 11 day cusp So I'm feeling gross um, But it is worth it Because I never have to start over again Which is very thematic to tonight's topic Which is getting sober from alcoholism Through Alcoholics Anonymous Um so if I'm, like, kind of off the cuff or feel weird or cry, welcome. <laughs> I'm a crier regardless. Um, and I think, I think I've always been a crier, but it was a mo- poor me crying. Not as much of a joyful cry or, like, a, a song hits you and it's so beautiful or, like, look what God did for us cry. Gratitude, tears. In Catholicism, you'd call it tears of the Holy Spirit. That is, the, that is the type of crying I experience now um, in the freedom that is my day-to-day life due to working the steps in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I'm very grateful. My sobriety date is March 22nd, 2016. I keep saying 15 lately, which is a lie. And it's not meant to be a lie. I don't know what I'm just like. It's, yeah. Yeah five five years, working on d- year six, and that is, that in itself, I think that in itself is miraculous. I lose sight at this point in my sobriety of the miracles that are daily, uh, daily happenings. Every breath I take is a miracle. Every smile, every genuine hope for someone else's well-being is miraculous. My so- like Doing something that's actually best for me versus a chaotic in my life, like restraint of pen and tongue, not popping off on somebody in layman's terms. These are all things that are miracles within themselves. Um, but how I started here was, um, I was extremely, my alcoholism was pretty much immediate. I, my manipulation was very immediate. Um, I am a pre very, I'm free to come by it honestly, Uh, although, you know, I definitely took it to 11, as they say, out of 10, Um, when it comes to my alcoholism in general, Um, so my first drink, which I'd forgotten this, actually, was on a cruise ship when I was like 15, and I grew up Privileged, and we never wanted for anything, and was extremely blessed, you know, with a nuclear family unit, and financially blessed, and ad infinitum there. Um, so, alcoholism is not a is not a respecter of persons, classism, your race, your creed, etc. Big or, big trauma, little trauma, capital T, little t, doesn't matter. It'll take your ass out if it wants to. Um, excuse my language. We're in a church. Um, not meant to. Sorry. So, my first drink was in a, on a cruise ship. My parents, I had, like, decided to walk around in the cruise ship by myself, and my parents were drinkers, and they were they're partiers for sure, but, like, the classy type, and there's lots of wine and parties around, but... You know, we all went to school and work, and we lived in a nice house. and never crossed my mind. I mean, just culturally, I was surrounded by all of my friends' parents. You know, it was just is what it is. Um, and it would be weird if they didn't, frankly. Like, I was just so used to that. People that didn't drink. Like, I had neighbors across the street that were, like, super t- tight, like, straight-laced and, like, really uh, keeping it general, just not drinkers. And they sketched me out, like they were like, freaked me out that they were all like, very like, you know, wouldn't let us around their kids and stuff, you know? So I was like, oh, all right. Um, So I was around it, and my parents would have parties, and I would sit on my stairwell and listen, like a little kid just listening and being like, wow, that sounds so fun, sounds so cool. After a while, I would go downstairs and like party with that, like party with my mom and her friends, but not drink with them like that was strictly forbidden no drinking underage in the house at all but it was like i was a little kid like loving the music and the dancing and just the you know the clanking of the glasses as bill talks about you know just that um the romanticism of that i was really into that and so when i was on this cruise ship i kind of just sauntered into a bar never drank a day in my life sat on the bar knew, I was like, oh, international waters, they can't make, they can't card me or anything. And she was like, what would you like to drink? And I was like, a mint julep. She was like, okay. Just like, so confident, you know? And I had one, and maybe two, I don't remember, and I just felt like warm and fuzzy and happy and cuter and just better overall than you and me from previous, you know? Just overall better. And I... I love that and I didn't keep drinking and get hammered because I was afraid of my parents and I'm glad that's the case because that stopped me from going down you know we stopped in time sort of thing on many different things that I'm grateful I didn't um I had that that healthy fear of authority um that has served me and does serve me and serves me in sponsorship and serves me in doing the right thing now um it could get into, like, you know, don't get mad at me, trying perfectionism stuff, like, it could go all the way left. That said, it does, you know, there's a certain, just, you know, sit, do what you say you're gonna do, sort of those principles of integrity that I was, I fell off from, definitely, when I was drinking, but I do care about what my sponsor says, I do care about, you know, not disappointing her, and um, my boss, et cetera, so, like, that definitely comes from Catholic school, strict, somewhat strict upbringing and everything like that. Um, but I didn't want to get in trouble, which is a lot of why I didn't party like I wanted to as a teenager, because I didn't want to get in trouble. Um, in high school, I partied barely, but intensely, like short, but with a quickness, but very focused. Um, my I went from Catholic school to pri- to public school, and my um, these girls I kind of took me under their wing, and one of the moms of the girls was a exotic dancer, and she brought things home at 3 a.m. that I had no idea what they were, and it just was a different, whole different, the building, the people, what they were wearing, how they were talking, like just culture shock for sure. Um, but what I noticed in hindsight after getting sober is... I, my desire to check out from reality, like it didn't matter what you were offering me or how much of it or what cost or what it was called or any of it. I just was like, yes, 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 yes. Take me out of whatever we're experiencing here um, on earth. And so that's something in hindsight that's like, so that is alcoholism, right? Like that is a spiritual malady. That God's world is not enough for me. I am not. Ex- I do not accept it the way it is. I am suffering. You know, change me, change me, change my surroundings. Um, so that was a th- very thematic throughout even my adolescence. Um, then I got in trouble for sneaking out, and we. I was like grounded for like a couple of days. And I had to clean the house or whatever. And I was like, man, this ain't worth it. Like, this ain't worth it. So then I just tightened up for a few years, honestly. But it's like I planned it all out. I was like, I'm going to go to East Carolina. I do like theater. I do. I love theater. I do." And, they, and they've got a great theater program. I didn't even know what all my motivations were at the same time. But college was, I knew college, regardless of what I did or where I went, is when I was finally going to... Let her rip, as they say, and I absolutely did. Um, went to East Carolina. If y'all are from here, you know. Need I say? Don't have to say anything else on that front. Ross is like shaking his head, yes. Um, I joined a sorority. Told my parents it was a marketing thing, a networking why. Y'all, it's great, and my sweet Canadian parents are like, okay. My mom's here tonight, so there you go, mom. Um, and I partied like an absolute rock star. Like, I went all, all in, all out, was smart enough to make it to class and do my work and graduate on time, and I did make okay grades. But that was because of fear of my parents, not because I wanted to do well. Like, self-centered fear constantly is absolute thematic in my life for sure and so um, I became like the go-to person for a lot of stuff in Greenville Um, I definitely was a arbitrator of the party Um, people knew that if I was around it was going to get crazy and they didn't call me unless they wanted to party like that like so my cousins or my sister if they really wanted to let it out that night like they would hit me up and I loved it you know, it's like, if you're not going to get down like me, then just remove yourself. We're done here. Like, that's seriously how I feel and felt. Like, from my chest, I felt that and still do to an extent. Um, so went to college. You know, what happens in college? You get a boyfriend. You get drunk, yada, yada, not that important. Life goes on. I graduated. Um, Laughter. By the skin of my teeth, the grades were there, but it was like a struggle. I had to make up for years of partying my senior year. I had to wake up at 7.30 a.m. every single day and do schoolwork until almost 8 p.m. every night and write like 30-page theses, backtrack, do all this, take gym class I never took, like just get it together quick. Um, And then I, I went to Los Angeles because I want to take a step back. God has had a hand in everything that I see now. And in my alcoholism and even before, God hated me. God abandoned me. God did not do for me what he's done for you. You know, ad infinitum the morass of self-pity that came along with me and God's relationship that was all one-sided, him saving me from dying multiple times and me blaming him for everything. Um that I created. And, um like, if I look back on it, I made a friend in college that um, was a monumental part of my life, um, and I love him dearly, and he 'll come up later on in the story. but um, that 's important to take from the college thing my the progressiveness of alcoholism i couldn 't smell it at first. I thought I was allergic to alcohol at first, I said it come to find out I am, but you know, I hated wine, I hated this, I hated that you know, as long I wanted to get to where you were from an intoxicated level, but I did not want to drink the alcohol because it didn't like the way it made me feel physically. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? My brain loved it. I did not like the way it sat in my stomach and the way it, you know, I thought it tasted disgusting, et cetera. So I would adjust things to make it so I could be on your level until I found alcohol mixtures that I would like, like Pink lemonade vodka and Sprite plus sugar rim and all this other nasty (laughs) disgusting. Before thank God I got sober before seltzer's because I would not be alive today. Like I that is true. Not meant to be funny, but it is true. Like I'm very grateful for that. So it's stuff like that, right? It's like looking back. It's looking back and seeing like God had a hand in that. God had a hand in that. Oh wow, oh wow. And my what I'm trying to do now is apply that trust to the future. I can look hindsight's to 2020, but I can see where it was all planned out to some extent, you know. And I feel like my angels are, like, adjusting to my bad decision-making and trying to, like, play catch-up a lot of times, especially my drinking. But there was a time in college where I was completely blackout. So at the end of my college, nearing the end of college, I was an everyday drinker, blackout drinker, you know, from the one mint julep a couple years before, I'm 19 at this point so four years later two of those years I wasn't even drinking the end of my college days I'm wasted every day etc. every day and I, I'm i driving down, if you know Greenville where 5th street becomes 10th street and I'm in a Jeep Cherokee and I fall asleep at the wheel and I get called, I, I wake up to blue lights behind me and the cop come and I'm like wristbands both arms not 21 how am i gonna get out of this one um and i pull the the rearview mirror down and i look at myself in the mirror and i'm like you're either gonna get a dui or you're not so figure it out (laughs) out loud to myself in the car and the cop comes up and he's like you know why i pulled you over and I don't know why I was hammered, so hammered but I was like, well no I don't <laughs> and I had like this Blanche Dubois voice on Dolly Parton voice on and he just bought it like I'm Canadian, like no um, you know and I was like, I told him the, well, I'm just so tired I, got, I was cleaning up the bar and I gotta go home and really laid it on thick and he was like alright he gave me a ticket for speeding and swerving, and I was like, how did this happen? But in hindsight, and I got out of it, thank God, and then just drove away. And like, in hindsight, and I and I bragged about that, I bragged about that, and I'm not, it's a funny and an incredible story, but it's, I'm not saying this to brag today, what I'm saying is... I spent the next two weeks waving that ticket around in people's faces, like this. is Why I'm going to win an Academy Award? I'm an amazing actor. Like I'm a genius. Like cops are idiots. Like I just. And in reality, if you've been to Greenville, that road has bricks all across the back of it. So if I'm speeding, going 75 and a 40, going straight for a brick wall, if that cop hadn't pulled me over, I would have driven straight through that wall and died, totally, completely black out, falling asleep dead two weeks before graduating so like that's the truth like yeah we had fun to- I had fun times drinking but at the end of the day if I kept drinking the way I was going to get I was going to drink and if I drink again I will not make it I will die because that is how I drink and I need to remember that and that's why you know that first step so important um, went to Los Angeles did the same thing party party you know fell into the party scene there And again, like a movie, my roommate was my boss because I couldn't find a spot, totally irrelevant, but she partied like me, like hardcore, hardcore, like a little harder. So I was able to like, like she told me she was going to this electric daisy carnival, which if you know, it's just like a rave, hardcore rave. And she told me that when I was in another room and I was like, because she, I knew that she, she's still my boss at the time, kind of until we started raging together. So... The point is, is, like, I, like, was just, I knew that it was going to go off. And so that's what happened. And it just progressed and progressed and pro- progressed. And then I was drinking, and I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I was 22. And I didn't want to be here. And when the birds started chirping, I was so depressed. And, again, it was all God's fault. Um, I moved back to Raleigh where my parents live, where I'm from. Grew up here in Cary, if I didn't mention that. And uh, I just was so tired. Like, I was so tired of partying, um, but I didn't even cross my mind to stop. Like, I just thought, I was so used to feeling bad, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of it, all the time, unless I was in that, like, sweet spot of an hour a day, maybe, you know, um, that I, I mean, my life was totally in shambles. Lived in Cary, spent, like, $2,000 in Cary somehow, like, back in 2013. Like, it's kind of hard. Now you've got all fancy restaurants and stuff, but, like, I'm talking, like, on Yinglings. I'm talking, like, on, like, a burger every once in a while. Like, I just was... Partying, was hardly ever home, do anything to get what I needed, um, depressed, mad at my boss, mad at this, that, and the other thing, um, and really depressed because I would lost a friend to alcoholism, and I, he got hit by a car, and it was really, really hard, and um, I love him dearly, and it's a reminder to me to keep going. Um, and I've shared it before like just the fact that I'm standing here and I know some of y'all's stories just the fact that we're here is like a miraculous thing Um, and I feel like sometimes I lose sight of that when someone's rude to me or someone doesn't respond to a text or like my boss doesn't do what I ask him to do or any little minutia the person in front of me is an idiot driver or like you know ad infinitum again things that can go awry that I immediately gut reaction without the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, without praying in the morning, without meditation, without being honest with the sponsor who I trust, who I know loves me, who I know is also seeking, who I see through her actions. She is principled. She guides me. You know, I will p- always pick the riskiest, most chaotic thing. And I'll pick it just because. Um... And that's a battle even now in sobriety. Like, my life is does resemble that of a normal person, um, which is a far cry from what it once was. So when I moved back from L.A., lived in Raleigh, my standards were plummeting and my drinking was exponentially getting higher. So at first I wanted, you know, I didn't have any direction, but I wanted to have a job you know and be financially free and what does that look like I have no idea but I knew it wasn't bartending three nights a week in different places and doing crazy stuff all the time like bartending three nights a week working at a restaurant you know it's hard you know it's funny the easier softer way is to do the work in Alcoholics Anonymous for a drunk like me the harder way for a drunk like me is to fight it, keep drinking, trying to do some controlled drinking, trying to do all that stuff, and staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning, waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning, and your clothes aren't dry or clean, and you don't have a laundry machine, and you don't have any food in the fridge, and you're messy and tired and depressed and just sick. And I didn't know it all came from spiritual sickness and a lack of self-worth until it came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but living like that today is harder for me to even wrap my mind around it. Like, my neighbors will be partying pretty hard on a random Tuesday, and I'm like, oh, they're listening to a lot of drum and bass on a Tuesday night. Like, dang, what are they doing over there? And then instead of, like, you know, even in my journey in living where I'm living today, which... It's been its own gift. I bought a house last year, you know, from working in sales and, you know, just saving my money. And I lived with my mom for a while and paid 600 bucks in rent or whatever. So just, you know, saving and having a lot of opportunity and a lot of privilege. And um, I have bought this home now. And it's like I lived in a – when I got sober, I lived in a house that was smaller than that kitchen – and I wasn't paying utilities, not because I was getting a great deal, but because it wasn't a real apartment. It wasn't coded out by the city of Raleigh as a real place. It was a, not a great place. <laughs> and um, I moved in next to the bar, which I worked, because I wrecked a car and spent all my insurance money on LITs. And $5,000, did not buy another vehicle, moved in next to where I was working, and then was drinking myself to death. And that's when I got sober. Um, My life was absolutely unmanageable. And it can get unmanageable in sobriety. When I feel like... I'm so consumed with self that I'm, like, on my knees crying, sobbing about something. That's absolutely happened in sobriety. Um, Especially, especially, especially early on. It has happened recently. Um, You know, in the last year or two. It's been a tough year and a half for a lot of us. But... um, early on in sobriety, going through a breakup, going through this, that, and the other thing, not getting a job, you know, it was like, lest we forget, I almost died not so long ago, and it's like, doesn't, I, still, it's hard for me to register that, and I say it so many times for myself to hear it, um, and remember, you know, um, what happened with, as far as AA, I'm going to take a sip, of, a sip of Rooney right here, excusez-moi, was I was working at Boylan Bridge Brew Pub, which is now Rye Hill, and it was horrible, and it was disgusting, and it was absolutely falling apart. Literally, the building was falling apart. And I had someone in the room, from who I worked with, who um, was an AA, and is no longer an AA. And I think it's important to mention because People that decide to leave AA doesn't mean that all of their good works have been done in vain. You know, I mean, she's helped me. She saved my life, that girl. And so I think it's important to remember for me not to get on my pedestal and say, Mm, they drank. Well, because it's like, yeah, but who do they help in the meantime? And we pray that we'll save a seat for them, you know? Um, So... She, the big book I own today and use today is this, still the same one that girl gave me. And I was trying to do all these things, you know, the at, with an oath, without an oath, with exercise, you know, that whole part. And I was like, I'm going to work out. And I'm gonna, if, I, if I run that day, you know, no laundry machine, no tennis shoes, no sports brog, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Like no workout stuff at all. But it's like, if I work out today, I'll drink. Or, you know, if I, if I paint, if I do something for me, I'll drink. Like, no conception of service at all, whatsoever. Um, and so I was painting, because it's something I enjoy doing, and so does she. And so I invited her over to paint. And almost, like, a possession came over me where I just got wasted right before she came over. Again, no respect for her sobriety no frame of reference at all for it. I was mocking her about it, you know, beforehand to other people. Like, me and blankety-blank are about to hang out. Can you imagine, like, me and her? Ha-ha, <laughs> what? And I was just slamming Evan Williams Green Label shots, which was my go-to. If a man wanted to buy me, like, a Glenn Levin, I'd be like, now nah, I want Evan. Like, that was where I went at the end of my drinking versus, like, remember, don't like liquor at all don't like beer don't like wine at the end it's like the bottom nasty like one step up from Kentucky gentleman and that's who you ask like it's nasty and that's all I wanted like my the progressiveness is unbelievable which helps me reminds me to never ever pick up again because I I it will be worse it will be five and a half years worse than what it was on March 22nd of 2016 so why 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 would I risk that you know um and for what there's nothing that I have not, there's nothing that I am missing out on by being sober in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and working the steps other than literally the effect produced by alcohol. That is it. The chemical reaction by the, the, the effects produced by alcohol is the only thing I do not experience that I w- thought I was experiencing from a romanticism standpoint that I mentioned before in Alcoholics Anonymous. I have the most amazing friends I've ever, that are in existence. I have the most amazing time at concerts. I can afford tickets to go. I don't have to uh, finagle anything around me. I can drive home. I can have those connections with people. I can still dress up and look cute and have fun. Or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, what the romanticism piece of the clinking glasses or the dinner parties or whatever. The, I have all that. I do all that still today. And I'm sober and I'm happy and I'm closest to God I've ever been. And so what are you, what am I really missing out on at all? And my, I would argue nothing. And then, you know, the effects produced by alcohol piece, like that kind of out of body experience, I, now I'm getting from meditation, like on God, like when I, the, the idea that when I'm partying and something comes up, I'm like, nah, whatever, whatever, I don't want to think about that right now. And you take another shot. That's kind of what I do when I'm meditating. Like, I'm like, thank you for Showing me I need to work. Thank you for revealing that message to me. I appreciate that. I'm going to go back to my breath now. And like acknowledging the thought and letting it pass. Like that is the same idea. So awesome. So great. I love it. And it's like that is a huge revelation for me. Um, So I'm sitting on the front porch blacking out with a sober girl. And we're painting. And... I start to literally like nod out and tell her that I think I'm alcoholic. And I'm like, <laughs> falling over. And she was so graceful and loving and open with me. She was like, Okay. Are you okay? And I was like, Yeah, I'm fine. She was like, Do you want do you need to go to a meeting? And I was like, No, no, no. Falling asleep. Um, smoking weed in her face. That's what happened. Like, she was like Basically in her, I was like, I'm going to go do this now. And she was like, just please don't do it around me. I was like, fine. But it was still like very taunting of her. Um, And two days later, I wanted to hang myself from my apartment, (laughs) from the rafters of my apartment. And at 25, but I didn't thank God because I knew about AA. So how many people don't make it in here that don't know? How many people that make it in here don't take it seriously or they get shunned at a meeting or they get treated badly at a meeting? They don't get to smile or they don't, you know, sure. Oh, they could come back tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, yes, of course they could have. But like when I was in that spot, I wanted anything but to be here. I wanted anything but to stay sober or get sober or have to get sober. Alcohol and drugs were my life. It was my entire personality, my best friend, confidant, soulmate mom, dad, everything, anything and everything I wanted was in that bottle of liquor and to be told I cannot do it anymore or I'm gonna die either by my hand or physically or bi- biologically jump, hit, go in the car that I mentioned before, fall down the stairs that's happened multiple times you know, that is it's earth shattering and I forget that I'm here for the newcomer I forget that I'm here to help the new the newcomer who doesn't want to be here I didn't want to be here. And I know that I've helped a lot of people in AA. I'm sure the, the folks that have helped me have, didn't want to be here at first. Um, and two days later, what happened was I thought, is my weight going to, will that hold my weight up? Like from a belt. And that is a sad thought to have at all in life, let alone at 25. At all, again. But like, come on like I'm still a kid. Like that's crazy. And so I like felt like an you know, angel and devil on your shoulder it was like go to a you need you need to go to a meeting is what I heard. A meeting, not like go to AA, which is a meeting is kind of like internal language a little bit. Like yo, house home group. Like outsiders don't know what that is. So a meeting was kind of like whoa, like in hindsight that's kind of interesting. Who said it, you know? or God, as one might say. And I texted this, this girl, and I said, I need to go to a meeting. And she called me immediately, and I did not pick up. And that's another thing to remember. You know, like, when I have sponsees that don't pick up or don't call me when they say they're going to, and I'm on my high horse, I like, guess they don't want to live today. And it's like, okay, maybe they're just scared. And maybe they're struggling and they don't want this to be the reality. And hopefully it like lands with them enough, just enough to get their bearings, to start seeing the fruits of their labor, to live a different way of life and, you know, contribute to God's world. Like that's is the goal, you know, and it's easier said than done. Um, I had a friend today who I thought was dead call me from jail today on the way out the door. I don't even know why I picked up eight nine eight four number. I guess that's the new area code. I'm a 919 woman myself, so I don't even know why I picked it up. And it was like, do you want to accept a collect call? And I was like, from this person's name and I thought they were dead and I was like, yes. Cause I thought they were dead. And on the phone, it was like, listen, like I know it's a failure to appear, but yada, yada, like just bail me out. And I was like, at first, I honestly was swept up. I was like, okay, you know, and I kept thinking about it. And I didn't even say, didn't provoke it or anything. He's was like, but listen, I'm not an alcoholic. And listen, I'm not a drug addict either. And, and, and I just, you know, I just, a string of bad luck has has come over me recently. And it's funny, we're laughing. And again, it's like not to pass judgment. But like, what I was thinking about driving over here is like, the... The trench between the truth and the false at that point in someone's life, of that level of parting, is so deep and wide. Like, thank God I'm not in that. Like, thank God that's not what I feel like is the reality for me. Because it's like, I don't think they, like, the, you didn't know the delusion. It's a sick, it's a disease. And so it's like, I'm, the, by the grace of God, there go I, like, there go us. Like, thank God. And it's something that I, it's like very, very eye opening and it's very humbling that there I am, not better than that man. He's not better than me in any, you know, at all. The only difference is that I work the steps in Alcoholics Anonymous with a sponsor through the gift of willingness, the gift of desperation, just shutting up and doing what I was told for once in my life, and he did not. And like that's the difference. And that knocks me off my high horse very quickly. And it makes me, it leads me to feel like I am the luckiest woman on earth. And I still think, and I believe it. So I went to my first meeting with this girl. And um, I cried the whole time. Because I didn't want to go a day without drinking. And I was sweating and, and couldn't sleep, I detoxed myself, not a great idea, do not recommend it. Um, working two jobs, teaching theater to children. Uh, also working in an office. Um, you know, I would go to a meeting and someone I already knew was there that I had trusted and vibed with immediately. And that made me feel safe and my friend that passed away who is my baby angel from heaven that I love dearly, my best friend his mom had gotten sober and if she hadn't gotten sober I wouldn't have known that someone cool got sober I thought I was so terrified of being the hole in the donut so well like so accurately describes me that I was afraid of becoming a bible banging no absolutely no which I respect Christianity I believe there are many paths to light that's my it's only my opinion it does not reflect that of the group um but I was afraid of being a straight laced lady from my, my neighbors from across the street, the people I don't like the people that definitely don't like me. Am I going to hide and pretend like I'm someone I'm not like this is my whole life, you know? And, and God takes what he feels like is not useful and leaves the rest. Um, and you know, that's been, it's been a really eye-opening experience. Um, I just got a sponsor as I was detoxing and sweating and crying in meetings. And, um, a gentleman told me, thank you for keeping me sober today, which I had no idea what that meant. And then I drank like nine days later and then I smoked weed and I bring it up because it's, it's, well, it's part of my story, but that's not why I bring it up because it, if I do that, I cannot say, it's not sobriety A, and I can't not drink, and I can't go and do other stuff, and I am completely cut off from any hope for the future. So at that point in my journey, which my brain is still soaked in liquor, etc., like it's no, 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 I can't play with any of it, like, no. Um, so that was a massive lesson to learn, I feel like, um, But yeah, I mean, I just started praying on my knees in the morning to to God. I didn't know really what that looked like. God of my childhood, God of AA, the person that said, thank you for keeping me sober today, which rocked my world. You know, the fact that anyone would even care that I stayed sober a day was miraculous in itself as well. So I worked the steps of AA. I know I've kind of told you lots of stuff on my story throughout, um, this talk tonight, but, um, it works. It really does. I've gone through some really painful times. I've decided to take, do it my way for months at a time, which I do not recommend. Um, I went to like 120 meetings in the first 90 days, like the drunk I am. I'll go all the way up no matter what it is. So, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, Thank God for the friends that gave me their cars to use. Thank God for getting laid off. And at that point, I started to feel the fruits of the spirit in AA. So I was like, I could just sleep and do nothing or I could go to three meetings a day. And at that point, I'm like, give me that serenity. I need it. Um, And that's what I did. So, you know, today my life looks very different than what it did. Um... I hope to, to be a beacon of light and hope to the alcoholic that can't stop drinking, because if I can't stop drinking, then anybody can stop drinking. Um, I think that's. I'm kind of wrapping a little right. Or it's. I'm done, y'all. <laughs>